This is the first time. Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodini. Up next, we've got Terry Gant. He's the... Yeah. He's the owner of Third Coast Comics. He is still plugging along as the owner of a comic book store. He's in Rogers Park, right off the Loyola stop. His, um, his, his store is not just your typical nerd comic book store, though it's that. You're a nerd, Terry. I love you. Um, but it really is like committed to diversity and women and people of color and queer comic book lovers and people who have felt excluded from the comic book scene. So not only is it like a great shop you should check out and purchase stuff at, but it's really contributing to the community. So with great pleasure, let's give it up. Terry Grant, Terry Gant. When I was a kid, I was similar to most other kids in that I hated the things most kids hated. One of the things I hated the most was a certain aspect of school. Don't get me wrong, I was a decent student, but there were a few areas that just never clicked. My, record, my report cards were mostly Bs, for the most part, because I thought math sucked. I was determined to only just kind of like be sort of good at it. When are we ever going to use long division in the real world, I would ask my friends who were never the questioning sort. They just sort of did what they were told to do. And as it happened, they were a lot better at math than me. <laughs> I apparently never learned to write very well either. I could and would read anything you put in front of me, but just don't ask me to write legibly about it. I could never understand what the big deal was. I knew that someday we'd live in the future where we could just kind of talk to the paper and the words would just appear before us. I was kind of right as it happens, and my handwriting skill still sucks. The worst area for the entirety of my grammar school life was the concept of homework. I never understood its purpose. It was bad enough that I had to leave home and the safety of cartoons and Fruity Pebbles to sit in class watching the clock all day. School was an obstacle course of hormones and attitudes, and by the time 3.15 came around, there was no way I could play school all over again at home. Every report card I ever had said, Terrence, which you can call me Terrence if you're like, you know, a grown-up, and none of my friends are grown-ups, so I don't want to hear that shit from you. <laughs> Terrence is a great student with lots of potential. But for some reason, he has trouble turning in his homework. My mother would ask what the deal was with the homework, and my answer would always be either, I don't really get much of it, or I got it, I did it, but I got distracted by something else, and when it came time to turn it in, I just kind of didn't. <laughs> the truth is, I got lots of homework, and on some rare occasions, I was just embarrassed to turn it in late. On most occasions, I just never did the homework. And I'm serious, on most occasions, I never did the homework. I thought it got in the way of my reading of comic books. I'd have to estimate that 90% of all the homework I ever received in grammar school went undone. I get a homework assignment, I think to myself, didn't I just dazzle that teacher with my knowledge of Jupiter's size and its place in the solar system in relation to Neptune? Hell, I even told her the place was made of ammonia and didn't even have a solid surface. And now we all have to write reports about the solar system and stuff, blah, 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 blah. Hey, look, the new issue of Green Lantern. There goes the homework. Please understand something. Dramatic pause. 
I really love comic books. Now, now, I've told this story a bunch of times to a lot of people who didn't know what I did for a living, right? But when I say this to you guys, you've already heard I own a comic book store. I really love comic books. But back then, I didn't know I'd own a comic shop. I thought I'd be an astronaut. <laughs> I really love comic books. I started collecting them when I was seven, and by the time I was nine, I got in my hands on hundreds. I used to try to stack them to the ceiling. I loved all things comics, and I didn't exactly have the best study habits at home and that I refused to study ever. So I developed a bit of a problem. I kept my comics on top of my dresser in stacks in front of a pair of closet doors that didn't work properly. You couldn't really keep anything in the closet, so it was just kind of an empty closet that had just enough room for me to slide a sheet of undone homework or a social studies worksheet or notes from my teacher for my mom to sign related to not doing homework or the notes that came after those notes. You kind of see where I'm going with this, right? From the third grade through the seventh grade, I just sort of inserted everything from revised spelling tests to notices from parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> my mother wanted no parts of the parent-teacher conferences anyway. My mom is sort of an antisocial, she's an antisocial evil person. She, she doesn't like people. She doesn't like people, she doesn't like teachers, she doesn't like anyone. So calling my mom to do something that's like responsible as an adult was just, it wouldn't have worked. Nope. <laughs> You'd think that I would clean up the evidence during summer vacation, but nah, I had comics that had to be read, and nothing was going to get in the way of that. Then came the seventh grade, and some sort of misunderstanding in school that ended with me having to write the Declaration of Independence three times, <laughs> which I did not do. <laughs> so then I had to write it five times. Fuck that, I didn't. <laughs> and there was a, then there was a threat by my teacher to escalate the situation by having me suspended. And I'd never been suspended before. Like, you're a kid, like suspension is like, now you gotta go live with the wolves. <laughs> that was to my young mind like going to prison. However, due to another misunderstanding related to what was or was not actual devil worship, I would be suspended a year later. That's a different story. <laughs> I imagine that the jig was up now. This could be really bad. Like Jermaine Jackson's solo career bad. <laughs> or Luke and Leia are brother and sister bad. I had to do something about it. I cleared off my dresser. I pushed it to one side. I hadn't really looked in that closet in years, and I probably averaged four or five sheets of paper a week during the school year. To my tiny nerd self, it looked like a giant pile of knee-deep dirty snow and a 10 by 15 Star Wars trash compactor. It was at this point I knew I had fucked up. I could resolve this in a few ways. I could be begin dumping papers out of my bedroom window the window kind of faced a narrow canyon in between like uh, sort of my six flat building and a neighboring six flat building. It was home to some small birds and vermin, a few weeds and the occasional errant football or frisbee. But getting in there required the kind of guts Pixar movies are made about. And I wasn't going into the canyon of shadows to collect homework. I just dropped there and I couldn't be guaranteed that it, was, that it would all even land there. With my luck, the wind would take it and spread it all over the neighborhood 
or friends would just find it and redistribute my shame among each other, just like my buddies Keith and Dexter and Mark did with that Austin porno mat collection we found behind Steve Smith's garage in 1981. <laughs> that was the golden age of found alley porn, in case you didn't know. And for us kids, this was the first time discussions of redistributional wealth ever happened that weren't about cookies or Halloween candy. I could take out the garbage, but nothing is more suspicious to a parent of an 11 to 12 year old kid than the sight of him removing three giant ass bags of garbage from the house on his own without being reminded to do it. It's gotta look like a family of raccoons at 3 a.m. trying to boost a pizza into a tree. Nothing to see here, just keep moving. I decided the only way to be sure was to reduce at least half the mass with an evidence-free solution, fire. <laughs> I knew some things about fire. My dad worked for the Chicago Fire Department, and in my expert opinion, I knew fire burned shit up. <laughs> what more was there to know? I went into a pantry, I got a bucket of water, safety first, and placed the bucket on the floor of the closet. Then I grabbed a garbage bag for evidence disposal. Then I made roughly orderly stacks of paper that could be easily bundled in one hand. Then I carried those bundles one at a time into the kitchen where I lit them on fire on the stove. Then quickly, before the torch really got going, I hightailed it into my closet to watch the magic happen. Holding my torch high above my head, I became the Statue of Liberty, watching the downtrodden come to America. Leave your troubles and oppression and stupid homework assignments in Europe or wherever you came from, you're free here! Fourth grade fractions bullshit, gone! Fifth grade book report about some fucking caged bird, gone! Sixth grade essay about some song involving children being in the future, gone! Notes from teachers, Odell, Packer, Black Lady Johnson, and White Lady Johnson. Gone, gone, black gone, and white gone. <laughs> then I heard my mom calling me. Terry, do you smell smoke? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why do you ask? Any normal adolescent fuck-up would cut his losses here and regroup. <laughs> Maybe to some holiday break when his parents weren't even were at work, but not me. Back to the salt mines I went. <laughs> work to do. I may have made like 12 trips back and forth between my closet and the stove before I heard my mom in the kitchen. I'm sure I smell smoke. How can you not smell it? Maybe it's outside. Just open the door. I went to the door thinking the fresh air would make the smell go away and I can get back to business. Something about the fresh breeze worked against me because now my mom noticed something moving along the floor I hadn't counted on. Ashes. What's this, she said, touching a piece and watching it crumble in her fingers. Looks like dirt I offered. Then I noticed a trail of this fragile, be fragile betraying dirt headed right into my room. My mom, the fucking super sleuth, just had to follow it. <laughs> to this day, to this day, 
My mother could be taken by a dude selling bootleg copies of Soul Plan or any movie with Tyler Perry or Martin Lawrence and drag from a jewel parking lot and then call me up complaining there's too many little heads at the bottom of the screen. But let me run a Statue of Liberty hustle in my closet and now she wants to fucking make sense of some shit. <laughs> Apparently when I was stealthing out to light my torches that, you know, I was kind of placing the dresser back in place, but since I never noticed the ash, there was now a trail of the stuff going right into the wall like glowing footsteps in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. <laughs> oh, man, look at that, I said. I should get a mop and clean this place. As I went for the mop, she moved the dresser. She turned the light on in the closet, and for the first time since I started this little project, I could see the full extent of my whatever. The point here is that I'm pretty sure she felt like she stumbled on a goddamn crime scene because my mother yelled, it looks like a goddamn crime scene in here. <laughs> I can explain, I said, and as I did, she was furious. And she may have tried to choke me or something. I forget, because she tends to get all ragey when I try to burn the house down. There was just no reasoning with her, but... The evidence was all laid out before me slash her. Stacks and stacks of paper and notes and forms and crap. And maybe I should have just thrown it away. I don't really know. But my laziness was now going to cost me some amount of freedom over the coming weeks. The loss of access to my comic book collection and the terminal embarrassment of your friends being able to hear you catching the ass whooping of your life through the walls of that apartment. <laughs> I remember falling asleep feeling relieved of the burden of the bodies buried in my crawl space. I knew the next day was a different day and then I could just kind of start fresh and whatever crap kids dealt with in school or after school or whatever, that was okay. Yeah, my friends would clown me a bit, but shit, man, any kid would have done what I did. All of you would have done what I did. <laughs> what? I'm looking out there at y'all and y'all ain't do a bunch of damn homework. Who? Come on now. You'd have done what I did or worse. I went to sleep that night punished and repenting my first taste of living dangerously. <laughs> then my father came home. <laughs> Thank you.
save me, baby. Save me for your rainy day. I have only one burning desire. Let me stand next to your fire. You've been listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Terry Space Ghost Gant, and The First Time 4 gave us their version of Fire by Jimi Hendrix. The First Time 4 is Steve Frisbee, Liam Davis, Gerald Dowd, and Scott Stevenson. To hear more First Time pieces, check out the series website, firsttime.chirpradio.org, and you can find other podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio. Hear what's next.